0: Alright, who's your favorite Street Fighter character? My favorite? Yeah.
1: The one I played with the most?
0: Yeah, your favorite. E-Honda. E-Honda? Yeah. E-Honda all the way. Okay, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I like E-Honda.
1: Yeah, I played as him the most. Him and Blanca.
0: Yeah, well, E-Honda was kind of the cheesiest, if you really think about it, because he had the thousand hand slap. And Blanca, too, because he had the same attack. He had yeah, the exactly. same thing. He had the, the electric attack.
1: It's the one moves I, only moves I knew how to do.
0: Because you just slapped the, the punch button over and over again? I preferred uh, Chun-Li. That's who I played with the most really? back in the day. Yeah, I played with Chun-Li a lot. I was introduced to the game by uh, an old friend, Shane Baxter. I think you might remember him. Yeah. And he was the first person that ever told me, hey, there's this new game, you need to go check it out. Because I, I, it wasn't at, it wasn't in Referio yet. Uh, I think I had to go to Victoria to play it for the first time. I went to their theater, and that was the first time I ever saw the, the Street Fighter 2 machine. And... You you couldn't play the Street Fighter Two machine, by the way. You could only look at the look at it and watch the line because it was all a bunch of like kids who were like at, at that time really old to me when they were like you know fourteen or fifteen year olds, you know. And then they dominated. And, you know, they put their quarter up top and, and like they were able to do the moves and stuff like that. And you should know back in in that era, like it wasn't even like on the arcade, like the move list or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you just had to like figure that shit out. That was the only way it worked. And like I, I have very clear memories of playing it. And I, I think I remember like pestering my, my grandfather to take me to the movies just so I could go out and play. I remember I, he got mad at me because I forget what movie he took me to, but I went to the bathroom and I noticed that there was nobody there. So that was the first time I played Street Fighter was in between probably some like, I don't know, maybe like a Tim Allen family movie or something like that. I snuck away to play Street Fighter 2, the original version, and I got totally mauled by the computer because I had no idea what I was doing. But I, I was just like captured by it, like it just yeah,
1: it captured me too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it really did. And then like I can remember when it finally came to the of all things the the Circle K. As funny as that is, the Circle K in Referio, our, our hometown, like it, it was really like just a big achievement, a big deal to be able to go there and, and play, play that. Yeah, you know, I remember it so fondly. So. Yeah, Chun-Li's the answer to the question. And now I I heaped a lot of Street Fighter nostalgia on you for no particular reason.
1: No, it's good. It's good to have that nostalgia. I also have nostalgia for the game. It was one of the first fighting games that I ever played. Played the Super Nintendo Turbo version. I also bought the controller, the, the Turbo controller. With all the dials on it, just so that oh I yeah could yeah play,
0: yeah 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 I remember that
1: I could play turbo.
0: Yeah, I remember cheating in some RPGs. Um, with I think I forget it was one of the Final Fantasies. One of the mini games is you had to tap the button as fast as you could. Yeah, and it even said in the directions the Chocobo gave you, don't use one of those controllers that lets you use turbo. And we immediately went and grabbed the oh man the worthless third party controller. So much fun. Yeah, that was the only thing that controller had going because the D pad was pure like like it felt like mashed potatoes when you tried to move your character around. But the you had the turbo buttons on so we used it for a few things like that. That was always like, you know, the the scrub controller. Yeah. You know, if you got that one, that means we didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Gritty Reboot. I'm Pedro.
1: And I'm Meredith.
0: As you might have guessed from our pretty long intro here, usually we ramble on for a minute before we play the music. I mean, I'm playing the music now. Who knows? But <laughs> we're talking about Street Fighter today. Yeah. And uh, before we got in, into Street Fighter, I wanted to talk about what we're going to be doing coming up next week. We're going to be going down our best of the year, basically. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our, our year-end wrap-up uh, in the middle and end of January. And we're going to do our best of, we're going to do our worst of list. Um, and so we'll have that coming up next week. And we, we've, had a, we've had a real ball catching up with... Some of the better films of the year that we just missed, you know, because no matter how hard you try and how hard you really try to stick with a schedule of movies and things like that, like you're going to get in a situation where just some movies fall through the cracks. Yeah. And it, it's nice to, to sort of catch up on some of those movies and stuff like that. And maybe I think we've seen a couple of flicks that we, we wouldn't normally get to. But the reason I brought it up is because we had somehow missed out on Barbarian. Yes.
1: Because
0: we, we were going to go see it. In the theater. We were. And instead, we saw Halloween Kills instead, or Halloween Ends, pardon me. And we, yeah, we completely regret that. And we can go back to like episode 14 and listen to that crap. But we hated that. And and you'll probably see it again on the worst of list, spoiler. But no, we didn't go see Barbarian instead. But somehow I managed to stay in the dark about what it was really about besides an Airbnb based horror movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know anything else. And it wasn't until. This viewing, uh, you know, we got a chance to watch it a few days ago where I was like, man, I am so thankful that I didn't know anything about that movie. So if, if you're gonna see that movie, if you're possibly thinking about it, I just want to make sure everybody knows. Do not Google anything about it. don't go to the yeah. Wikipedia page, get an HBO Max, just rent it however you can, and just check it out. If you're not a big fan of like, uh if you don't like horror movies, probably not the flick for you. No, but it's if you can enjoy for sure, yeah, but if you can enjoy or stomach horror movies, and, and the movie builds real tension, a lot of t- multiple times. If you really can't handle that, it's not the movie for you. But if you can, I mean, it's a real wild ride.
1: The movie is is so good. It's claustrophobic. It's yeah, spine tingling. A little funny. It's got its moments. Yeah. It's so it's good. It's very
0: impressive considering like what what all it has to do. I, I, honestly, like it, you, it's, it's definitely going to be on my top of the, of the year list. Um, I, That's a uh, spoiler. I don't know where I'm putting it just yet because like the rankings is, is driving me insane about like where I put things and stuff like that because it's a movie that I like, I know you're probably getting me some crap for. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah. And I didn't know we were doing worst of either. So I'm glad you told me, me and everybody else yeah. that we were doing because yeah. I had no idea.
0: You didn't know we were doing a worst of list? I've talked about it like four or five times. Do you even listen to me when I talk about this show?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not.
0: Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah, well, that's the plan at least. So we're, we'll do that, and we'll, we'll mention a couple things about TV. But we're sticking basically to the to movies and everything like that, and uh, not games. I don't think I've played any game that came out this year, so that doesn't count.
1: Well, yeah, we don't have a PS5.
0: That's true. We don't. We need a PS5.
1: Well, right now we are not talking about the movies. That's
0: true. We are not talking about. So we need
1: to get on track.
0: That is. V- that is very very true. We definitely need to get back on track. So uh, what we have is in 1994, we were, okay, well, let's, I tell you what, I talked about Street Fighter a little bit. I do want to mention, 1994, by the way, Street Fighter Two in arcades, very fucking popular. It is probably the number one game in the world at that point. It is somewhere, it's in the middle of selling 16 million cartridges on the Genesis and the Super, the Super Nintendo combined, Mega Drive for our um, UK friends. So really, sometimes movies hit a little bit past their sell by date. When these video game adaptations hit, I talked about that a little bit last week with with Tomb Raider. Uh, this is not the case here. So in 1994, Stephen E. De Souza gives a Street Fighter starring Jean Claude Van Damme, Raul Julia, Ming Na Wen, Damien Chapa, Kylie Minogue, and Wes Study
1: and Byron Mann
0: and Byron Mann as Ryu. As Ryu, that's right. Yeah. Story time. This trailer so long ago captured my young mind. The civil war in Shadaloo may have reached the turning point. The capital has just fallen. In December 1994, the we got the movie trailer. We got face guy voice, mad dictator. Yeah. In a struggle for the fate of the world. Whose name I always forget. So I basically what occurs here is I end up dragging my poor father. Right now there's like pictures of all the cast: Guile, Cammy. And I dragged my dad to this movie because I was so excited. You know, I love Street Fighter and, you know, we also love Sean claude Van Dam. So it was a bit of a tough sell. Like I had my dad as Jean-Claude Van Dam, but I lost him a bit at video game movies. Yeah. So he took a chance on it. And I can guarantee you, my dad absolutely hated this movie. I mean, just hated every (laughs) frame of it. Understand it? Yeah, he's like, I don't know why all these people are here. There's all these (laughs) weird characters. Such a
1: bad movie. What's
0: going on? Like, why are all these things connected? So I, I can I can understand the issues that he had, and even as a kid, as a fan of the games, I didn't like the movie. I really didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I did not care for the movie when this came out. So I would like to publicly apologize to my dad for taking him to that movie because I begged for weeks. And I, we went on opening day, and there was one other person in the theater with us. Despite that, the movie actually made some cash, right? It made some bank?
1: Yeah. Uh. Let's see. I think,
0: I think I it didn't. It just come under $100 million?
1: $35 million budget, $8 million. Um No, I just have the budget.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I think I... I I think worldwide, this grows. Oh, wait.
1: Film gross, $33 million domestic, $66 million worldwide.
0: I know. Thank you, Marge. Excuse um me. So, no matter what, your voice is always so perfect and clear. And the, once I put a microphone in front of it, you become like Marge Simpson every I know.
1: Minutes. It's just the way it is.
0: So, yeah. Despite that, this movie made some bank, which is rather surprising. But it does speak to how very popular Jean-Claude Van Damme was in 94- and the Street Fighter franchise. Because a lot of... There were probably a ton of parents who got dragged to this movie. And ended up really despising it. Or maybe appreciating some cheesy cinema. When, when did you first see this thing?
1: I'm trying to think back to it, to when I saw this. I probably saw it when it came out. I didn't see it in the theater. I know that. Yeah, I probably saw it back then. When it came out on TV. I wouldn't have rented it.
0: Uh, yeah, because this lived on like USA for a good while. It
1: was a movie really... Especially the trailer was just narrowed in on boys.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, all this really is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Video, video, you know I, I told you that how how that happened, right? How video games became a boy toy. I should have chosen my words a little bit better. Y- yeah. How <laughs> video games? Well, odd. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I'm on a list now. Um, how video games became a toy that was aimed directly at boys. Do you know how that happened? Uh. Uh-uh. Because. When the Japanese got here and they brought, or Nintendo, I should say, when they got here and they're like, listen, we want to sell in U.S. toy stores. And they managed to convince people even after there had been a video game crash that they should carry a Nintendo. It ended up being a great call, obviously. When they got there, they quickly briefed Nintendo like, listen, toys either go on the girl side or they go on the boy side. Where do we put this toy? because that was the key thing. Nintendo had worked so hard to not say this was a video game console or electronics. It was a toy. And that's how they snuck it back into the US market and they just picked the boy aisle. So that's why video games are primarily like for men here for like what, 20 years? Yeah. Right? The idea of like a video game marketed to a woman didn't even come out. That wasn't even a thing people really considered until late 90s or early 00s. And even then, it was more of a novelty.
1: It's better now.
0: Better now. But yeah, that, yeah. that's how we got that, as a matter of fact. It's sort of a strange thing, but it, it's just a, a strange artifact of retail. Ended up gendering this whole hobby basically for a solid 25 years.
1: Yeah. I played some real male dominated games.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things people don't kind Back of realize. Ways. Yeah. you know, well, you know, you look at like, you know, we could talk about the the game character designs and stuff like that. But I mean, everybody is sort of like, you know, bimboed. I think like Guile's just he's got his tank top on, you know, Chun-Li's, you know, her legs are completely shown. Cammie's ass is hanging out. But, you know, the dudes don't have shirts on either. So I, I think it's like a, a sort of like like it's a, like a, like admiring like a Greek statue kind of thing is more like what Street Fighter's about necessarily about like being horny. I think there's like showing off like well animated, like, you know, muscular bodies. Yeah. I, I think that's a big part of the art style because guys are huge like T-Hawk and Zangief and uh, all those guys managed to make it into this film. Somehow, except for sadly, Fei Long. Yeah. Faye Long, who, if you're unfamiliar with the Street Fighter games, basically a Bruce Lee kind of ripoff or knockoff kind of character. Not particularly important, but everybody else does make it into the movie.
1: What do you think about the game attire? You think it's faithful to the games? Well, I. Y-
0: yes, and no. Some yeah. things are, you know, my, my issue with. I always want these movies to feel sort of genuine. And. I think uh, Stephen E. Souza, who it, it was a pretty accomplished writer. He co-wrote Die Hard, I believe. Um, so, I mean, he had some real movie chops, you know, the the way he sort of adapted this. Well, there is some closeness. Like there is some attention to what the game did and how people looked in the game. But I, I think what you end up seeing is things just aren't quite right. You know, um, I, I think the worst person to talk about is Blanca. Yeah. Because everyone else sort of kind of looks like what they're supposed to. And when Blanca is finally transformed, like he's not like big or, or you know, hulking out or anything like that. He just has really bad makeup. And he has like Mila Jovich's hair from the fifth element, that red kind of weird bob look. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look anything at all like what Blanca's hair actually looked like. It's uh, it's really, really bad.
1: And you can tell his skin has been dyed.
0: Very much so. It, it doesn't look encouraging at all. So, it, it, I mean, the whole – the movie builds to, like, that one moment where they finally reveal him and he looks awful when they finally see yeah. him in, in in his full makeup. And, I mean, I find it hilarious. But that, that's not – I'm sure that's not what they were going for. So, you know, like – and Zangief, like, you don't get to see him um, – like, he, when you finally see him with his shirt off, he has, like, these Sharpie kind of marks on him for his scars – like uh, like that just kind of feels half assed for no particular reason. Like Rio and Ken are technically in their attire, which is helpful, but that's just a uh, you know what, what's that
1: a kimono?
0: a kimono, a kimono is that what's called?
1: Oh, uh, a gi.
0: a gi, a gi, Thank you. Uh, they're just in their gis, and you know that that's a pretty simple one to do. So some of them are on, some of them are off. Like what was the one that I think? What, what which one did you think was actually pretty good?
1: What do you mean for attire? Yeah, for attire. Um. I liked Chen lis actually. I thought that was pretty faithful to some of the games.
0: Yeah, that was actually one, one of the better attires. I think they did a very good job with the bison attire because not only do they have to make him look like he did in the video game, which is kind of like a general warlord uh, dictator kind of look. You know, I'm, I'm sure you have an image in your head and that's what bison looks like. if You've never seen him. But they also have to hide the fact that Raul Julia is like ninety five pounds at the time they're shooting yeah. this movie, so they've heavily padded him up. And honestly, I really don't think you could tell if you didn't know that Raul Julia had terminal stomach cancer at the time that he shot this film. Uh, this would obviously be his final movie, but it, I I think that's an incredible job by the costume department there. So I guess it's kind of like like a C plus a passing grade, but not super impressive. On how close they got to attire. some of them are spot on, some of them are kind of there. I, I don't know what's up with Jean Claude Van Damme's hair. Like it's blonde, but like like nineties raver boy blonde.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: I don't know. Like if he's going to go out there and like try to fight some other characters, or just like uh, 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 <laughs> like it's just like when I saw him, I was like, why didn't you dye it a real blonde color? <laughs>
1: like cocaine he's on.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Just snorting cocaine like a madman. He
1: had a horrible drug problem. He was doing $10,000 worth of cocaine a day. A day, ten thousand dollars. People, let that sink into yeah. your brain. That is a hell of a lot of cocaine. That
0: really is. That really that means like he just get up would grab a handful of cocaine, just suck it right up immediately. Uh, who
1: knows how many times a yeah. day he was just he was a Hoover vacuum.
0: Yeah, basically that's all he was doing to do ten thousand. You would have to it. did would have to be like the highest quality grade cocaine like ever made.
1: Probably was like pretty it good
0: directly stuff. squeezed from the the cocoa leaf. And then like ground by Pablo Escobar zombie <laughs> <laughs> put together in that perfectly brewed for him and flown just to Jean-Claude Van Damme's trailer so he could get up enough to pretend to fight cancer-stricken Ronald Julia. Yeah. And, and listen, like Van Dam can be fine. <laughs> and I, I say that because that's as good as Van Dam can be is really fine. He's never offensive or just awful like um, Segal can be. Or even, uh, God forbid, Chuck Norris or someone like that, and those caliber of action stars. Van Damme has a decent level of charisma to him. Uh, this movie doesn't really show that off. He's no, really lousy. No, here. no, no. He's really, really lousy, and I, I don't know why. You know, the movie. Well, I mean, the movie tries to give him some fun one-liners, and I, and I, I think the the one-liners are, are are to the film's detriment. I got a, a little uh, section here of one-liners I'm going to play, and we're going to listen to the quality of writing that's in this film.
1: General Bison,
0: he's a bad guy. If you know this, then why do you serve him? Because he paid me a freaking fortune, you moron. You got paid? Popular guy, the greatest cage fighter since Iron Fist. Oh yeah, what happened to him? He retired and became me. My Who talks like that? <laughs> I'm going to... Who talks like that? And I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is gonna feel it man enough to fight
1: with me anyone who opposes me will be destroyed
0: day raul julia making it sound
1: great was the most important day of your life but for me it
0: was Tuesday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was we just Tuesday. <laughs> Maybe
0: next month. Here's the movie's handjob joke. Yeah, happy man.
1: Next, I'll make you a dead one.
0: So the movie has the feel for cheesy one-liners. Yeah. And so this is a movie, and Bruce Willis shouldn't have been cast in it, but like one-liners are something Bruce Willis eats in his sleep. Like, it's not a problem for him to do that, right? Yeah, Like, he's one of those actors that just, that's not an issue. He's he's a real actor, so he can pull them off while, like, Arnold struggles with them. Like, you watch, like, Last Action Hero. Arnold is struggling trying to make, like, quippy and funny dialogue. He's just dying out there in this movie. (laughs) And Van Damme, I guess, I don't know if he realized the cheesiness of it, but, like, this has to be said about this movie right now. This is a kid's movie. This is 100% a children's movie. And in the 90s, it was okay to make kind of a violent and a little vulgar children's movie. Look mm-hmm. at Problem Child. Yeah. Like, you know, and that that's kind of what this movie is because it has some sex jokes in it. You know, there's some scantily clad, you know, uh, women and stuff like that. And you, you know, have the guys, obviously, you're not wearing shirts and stuff like that. But like, obviously, it's violent. But it, it is a movie aimed squarely at like 10-year-olds. And I, I want to make that clear from the film's tone. And I, I think that's something that gets kind of put against it. But when D'Souza is making a game, he's making this this movie game adaptation, you know, for his, like, 10-year-old son. Like, that's who he aimed it at. And that's why this movie has a really, really goofy tone that really only Raul Julius seems to be in on.
1: There's an oil painting in Bison's private quarters of huh. a frowning clown.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. This I is- know,
0: yeah. yeah. I know what this is.
1: This is in reference to Pogo the Clown, an oil painting by John Wayne Gacy. John
0: Wayne Gacy, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I... I it wasn't until this viewing of it that I recognized what that was. Yeah. Because he has two joke paintings. He has him as Napoleon on that famous painting, which makes sense and is amusing. Everything about that scene is fantastic, But Yeah, it is. Because Raul Julia gets what kind of goofy movie he's in and, and plays it right up. And, and Ming-Na Wen matches energy in that scene, and it's great. But that joke with the John Wayne Gacy painting is just fantastic. Because he's a psychopath, right? Yeah. And you need to say he's a psychopath without showing him just like killing 15 people and stuff like that. And that's a great way to see it, is he's all gacy's work and said oh i will do my own version and that's what makes his his performance really fun and, and obviously in that scene we get that line that i just referenced that was just referenced in the clip it was tuesday you know i mean he's just chewing scenery and it's all really fun stuff
1: raul julia looked at m bison the same as the type of villain as richard III. he also researched dictators and crime lords to incorporate into the character of m bison a lot of Mussolini. He took Benito Mussolini's hand gestures, oh, Joseph Stalin's mannerisms, Pablo Escobar's elusiveness, and Hitler's love of art. So that's why you have all those paintings in there. And that's why there are different things like that.
0: So we're, we're going to talk about Ronald Julia here now for a minute. You know, obviously I, I mentioned he was dying a couple times, but be that as it may, not only is he very sick at this moment in time, but he has to know the script isn't very good and is very silly. And at no point does he not give 110% to this performance. He is all in on playing yeah, the character of M. Bison. He really is. It, I mean, th- the work he does is just phenomenal in this movie. He does not treat this as though it's a kid's movie. He, Like you said, he did the research, and he brought all that to the character, which makes Bison full of life. Like, there's so much to his pathos and what he thinks. And none of that's in that screenplay of the direction. It's all in how Raul Julia mm-hmm. plays that character in part.
1: Well, it's just like him in Adam's Family.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he, is, he took that seriously, and look he what is happened. Gomez Adams. Yeah, no one can ever play that part again without being no. compared to him. You know, he he. You know, I feel bad for Luis Guzman, an actor I'd love, but every time Gomez opens his mouth, you think Raul Julia. That's what you want. He made that character his own, and you know, to some extent, I, I think he does that with Bison in, in, in cinema. You know, I, I would have, you know, loved to have, you know, obviously I would have loved if he would lived on to to maybe, you know, voice the character. I would have really enjoyed that, honestly. But it, that's obviously, sadly, not how things really turned out. But the work he puts in is above this movie, but it's very typical of what Raul Julia does. And this movie was lucky to have him because without him, I don't think anybody would give two shits about this movie.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the plot of the movie who's
0: the who's the protagonist yeah honestly like i know it's supposed to be guile but he's off screen for like 30 minutes at a time <laughs> like ryu and ken pick up a little bit chun li i'd say chun li is the most obvious candidate to be the lead the protagonist of to the
1: me film. she's the best in the movie yeah
0: um well, she has a real ven- vendetta i mean she actually has something to be upset about
1: ming na Wen cringed after she saw street fighter for the first time oh yeah she told her ER co-star, George Clooney, that the movie would kill her career. He told her, oh, honey, it takes a lot to kill a career. I should know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great story, a great quote. And uh, I, I'm glad that she, she's Ming-Na Wen, fantastic actress, has had an incredibly long career. I am I always smile when I see Ming-Na Wen, and I, I will always think of her as Chun-Li. Because it was the first time I was introduced to her, and... Because of that, I've always like, hey, it's Ming-Na Wen, it's Chun-Li. And so I've seen a lot of her movies that I shouldn't have. So (laughs) it is, um, I've always been a fan of hers, and it really is because she made me a fan in this movie. And I I, I hope she can, I hope now she can value that and appreciate the sort of campy vibe that she helped build in that movie. Because she's really one of the only few actors who's kind of game for what's going on.
1: The movie manages to be, about Street Fighter, right? Mm -hmm. And Street Fighter is a fighting tournament, correct? It is, yes. So why did the director choose not to do a fighting tournament? So
0: listen, here's my theory on D'Souza, who objectively wrote a bad screenplay and directed a bad movie. Listen, it's like your dad interpretation of Street Fighter is everything this movie is, because that's all it could ever be. Like, he just sat down and saw his kids play and heard about this thing being optioned and watched them play for an hour and was like, Yeah, I got it. I figured out the gist of this. No big deal. I don't need to look into anything. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've seen it. This guy's the boss. He's a warlord. This is a kung fu guy. This is a soldier guy. I can figure this out. And so, and, and, and that's all he could really bring to the adaptation. Like, he just doesn't really understand the property because how could he? Like, if I had to adapt a screenplay, of Maya's tablet game, Unicorn Hospital, what the fuck would I know about adapting that, right? Right. I'm not going to take the time to learn the characters or their lore or anything like that. Who cares? Like, I would think, I'm a real writer. I don't need to look at this children's stuff. And that's probably how D'Souza looked at it until, like, Capcom started really throwing their weight around. I mean, mean, do you kind of agree or what do you think?
1: Do you know he deferred his salary to pay for the cast?
0: That was a bad decision. (laughs) That was, don't, no, no. Yeah. Well, I, cause he Van Damme did. probably got paid a lot of cash.
1: In, from what I what I read about D'Souza, he sounds like a nice guy.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, no one has a bad thing to say yeah, about him. Like, like even like in this a production, really nice like, guy. a lot of crew members really, I mean, really spoke highly of him. Raul Julia did. You know, a lot of people have. And like I said, he did write some really fantastic screenplays. But th- this was the only movie he really directed in. Um, pretty much the end of his uh, writing career. I, he wrote a few more things after this, but I mean, he didn't make it in the 2000s to write anything after that. I think in 97, he was done.
1: This movie features a Wilhelm scream.
0: Oh, does it now?
1: Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> you know, I missed it. Where'd it come up? The first a- A-N aid worker thrown into Bison's pit in the opening montage. Oh, I can't believe I missed that.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I've never really paid attention to it before, but I'm, I'm glad we caught it. So we have one on the Wilhelm count, so that that's good. I'm glad we have that. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. There's a lot of things in the movie that that really bother me.
1: Yeah, we could go on and on. Well, yeah, and I, I think
0: I, I do want to say one thing in Mr. D'Souza's behalf is that he really wanted to do, like, the original characters in the original game and, and not even all of them. And Capcom really made him put in all of the characters because of that we get the world warriors day jobs which yeah (laughs) yeah, chun li instead of being an interpol agent becomes a reporter and her camera guys are balrog and e honda for some reason but that's the only way he could figure to try to get them in the story he was already working on so because of that this movie is just stuffed with characters And some of them are really only referenced like once or have like a couple lines of dialogue. Like T-Hawk gets to nod a couple times and Mm -hmm. talk about his headband. And, you know, a lot of these guys are really miscast as well, which doesn't help for the authenticity. I mean, the actor who plays Ken, I think he does a decent job in the movie. But, I mean, the man has like no muscle definition to try to pull off being like a fighter. Yeah. You know, so it, it really does hurt. I mentioned Blanc earlier being a small guy. Which only makes it stand out that, like, you know, Zangief is enormous. And the same thing with the actor who played E. Honda. But, like, Balrog, while he does look like the character, man, like, that guy most has, like, the most noodle boxer arm I've ever seen. We take for granted the level of shape an actor will get in for a comic book movie today or anything like that or that kind of role. Yeah. And that wasn't the norm. Chris
1: sevens and the yeah. like have ruined that.
0: Yeah, that wasn't the norm in the 90s. And you can see that in the Street Fighter movie. Like, a lot of guys in that movie are don't look threatening or intimidating at all. And like Ralph, Julie was a strong enough actor to make him always seem like a threat. So that didn't matter. So, um, you know, that's, you know, one element of it, you know, maybe the, uh, the American flag stencil on the most Belgian man who's ever lived. <laughs> maybe that's one element. Cause the, the flag on him looks super fake. Yeah, it really does. It looks like it just, just stenciled, spray painted on, and they were just ready to go. That was it. It just, um, you know, it's a, another lazy element of like the production in this movie.
1: Is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we move on?
0: No, I I really don't think there is. I, I, like I said, it's uh, it's weird that I will recommend this movie to a fan of the video game. I think if you are maybe 20 or under and you've never seen this before and you've been a bit curious, I think this is incredible camp, campy cheesy fun. And I understand it is not a very good movie, but it, it does get to the level of so bad it's good. And I, I I really do give it a, a a light recommend If you are not a fan of video games, if you've never heard of street fighter, if you don't care about that sort of thing, but if you're a fan of camp and cheese cinema, you know, if you like plan nine from outer space or things like that, you should really consider watching street fighter because Steven D'Souza didn't really intend for that, but I think he made a near masterful piece of camp and that's tough to do. And it, 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 you know, it helps when it's unintentional. But this movie has so much cheese dripping from it and, you know, has such a disorganized feel that it, it really is camp gold. Now, now I want to mention to you, like most camp movies, I mean, it, it's lousy. So, like, the fight scenes are poorly edited. I, we didn't even really discuss that. The
1: fight choreography.
0: Yeah. I, one thing to quickly mention about the movie is, you know, it's called Street Fighter. And this movie avoids one-on-one fights like the plague. Yeah, I think that's a great gag if you really think about it, like to make a Street Fighter movie and people really don't fight one-on-one till like the very end of the movie Yeah, when people really start doing that. I think it's kind of a hilarious thing. But like I said, the movie does have real camp value. So if that's your thing, I, I certainly recommend you checking it out. In life, there is beauty. Then we have this piece of shit. And there is terror. I at least like if must not if
1: you gave the me if you put me on an island to with these two movies, You'll need I would gladly brilliant. rewatch Street Fighter over and over again. But this movie,
0: yeah, Legend of Chun Li, uh, which we'll refer to this as Legend of Chun Li. We won't call it Street Fighter. Of a so, yeah, listen, I think I just gave a really nice review to Street Fighter. And I think watching this movie right afterwards made me definitely appreciate that movie because there's some real love and attention in that one. It's misguided and goofy, but there is love and attention in Street Fighter 94. This movie is a cheap cash in. And it feels cheap. It looks cheap and it feels cheap. I mean, that's really the only way I can put it. This is really a subpar cinema experience masquerading as an attempt at a gritty reboot.
1: Yeah, it was an awful watch. I mean, it, yeah, I feel like it, I wasted my goddamn time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this movie stars... Th- th- when did this movie
1: come out? Uh, 2009.
0: 2009, okay. So in 2009, Andre Bartokowicz... Bart- I don't know how to say his name, sorry. I might. I should have written that better in my notes. Uh, he directed this film, and uh, Kristen Crook, Chris Klein, Neil McDonough, Robin Shue—a uh, little crossover of Mortal Kombat—an actress with maybe the greatest name ever, Moon Bloodgood. That's right, Moon Bloodgood, and uh, Taboo, and of course Michael Clark Duncan in this movie. <sighs> I, I didn't see this one in theaters. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't see because I knew it looked bad. I what
1: I, sucks is we did this movie for like a bad movie Friday. Like not too long ago. Yeah. So we had to watch this movie. Less than a year ago. Again. Less than a year ago we did it. Yeah.
0: And, and it, when we watched it, I was one of the things like, oh man, I underestimated it. Because it's, we just talked about like a, almost masterful camp from D'Souza in the first movie. And this movie doesn't have that going for it at all. It, it's just a dull, lousy experience. I think there can be some laughs at the bad choreography. But like there isn't a level of like cheese to anything else or a level of passion to it, which I, I think a, a movie needs to hit like, you know, maximum camp value. You know, I'm, you know, talk about a lot like showgirls, like Paul Verhoeven wasn't setting out to make a terrible movie people would laugh at. But, you know, he did anyway. Sure, it's not intentional here, but there's just a soullessness to this movie that is, I think, a little jarring.
1: Yeah, not to mention they make uh, Kristen Crook speak Chinese. In this movie?
0: Yes, that's right. She does.
1: And it's awful.
0: So we do want to mention that, yes, she is playing a Chinese character, which Chun-Li is always portrayed as being Chinese from China. So Kristen Crook does have a little bit of Asian ancestry, you know, in her. So it's not like someone who, you know, isn't, doesn't have any kind of lineage at all. But, I mean, she does look very white. She looks like a white girl walking around in... (laughs) in what's you supposed mean, to be Bangkok. She looks
1: like me walking around.
0: Yeah, pretty much, you know, cuz it she's she looks like a white girl walking around. She's small and slight. She doesn't look very convincing as the strongest woman in the world. Oh. To say the least, which is what Chun-Li is supposed to be, so.
1: She's very slight. Like very slight. She doesn't really have any like arm definition. You talk about a wet noodle look look.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, we were spoiled last week by Alicia Vikander. Getting in that kind of shape because, it, you know, I mean, Crook never looks like a fighter in any way, shape or form. She looks like she just got back from Pilates. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of physique that she has. And, you know, it really shows the fight scenes are, are, are laughably bad, you know. Uh, there isn't many of them. So, <laughs> you know, the, the wire work and the, and the fight choreography is bad. And, and Crook really does not look athletic at all in the few things that she is able to do.
1: Not to mention she narrates. Why does this movie have narration?
0: I don't really know. And I wanted to get a couple clips for you guys. I hate narration. Because you can't understand the level of lifeless narration. She makes like Harrison Ford seem giddy in Blade Runner.
1: But what I found, I wasn't prepared for.
0: Everywhere I looked, there was crime without punishment.
1: I wanted to do something anything no emotion in her nothing, voice yeah where she's just wa-
0: she's just walking around bangkok just like looking like pensive this looking time, at right? things yeah going
1: through a market and who could protect going through people? an alleyway who was oppressing them
0: i mean it's 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 really bad you know that, that's really the only thing I, I i can say about it and listen i i'd seen a little bit of smallville so I was aware that Kristen Crook was not a very good actress. So I, I was very surprised when I saw Rose Chun-Li. And even when this came out in the mid O's, people were very critical of her playing an Asian character, especially, you know, one like Chun-Li, you know, because she is you know famously Chinese. So, you know, that didn't really work. <laughs> and the one thing that should be noted about this is everything about this at the time felt, you know, cheap. I know they were desperate to kind of reboot everything. But, like, I, you know, when I play the trailer and like when you watch it, everything about the movie feels low grade and lazy. Every single thing about it.
1: Yeah, it's uh it costs $18 million to make, which is not a lot.
0: No, and I, we had to double check that because on Wikipedia it said $50 million. I was like, this is no $50 million movie.
1: Yeah, it uh, made 12.8, so it did not make its money back.
0: Yeah, and we want to mention that once again, the original Street Fighter did make money. I mean, it made a good chunk of change. And this movie with a, a really tight and skinny budget, you know, really failed to make an impact. So
1: maybe when people saw a Street Fighter movie called Street Fighter and they went to see it, they didn't get a Street Fighter movie.
0: Yeah. So we talked about in the last movie, like costumes sort of being accurate. And, and this movie isn't interested in that at all. No, not not in the least. And that, that, that's that's fine. It's OK to do a more realistic interpretation if you're going to do that, but this doesn't feel like a realistic interpretation. It feels like the direct-to-video sequel didn't have the money to pull off real costumes. So, and Bison wears a suit, and you know, uh, Balrog doesn't even get boxing gloves. Chun Li does not don her don her famous attire for some reason.
1: Bison is also apparently Irish.
0: So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do want to mention that this is how. Actor Neil McDonough chose to portray Bison after, you know, taking over the mantle from Ronald Julia. Fantastic, isn't it? All these waterfront slums will soon belong to Out. It's not even location, a good accent. Location, location. I mean, it, it's not bad. Four months. I I don't hate it, but it, it's it's a very like slight like Irish accent. Yeah. Can the package to Bangkok. Can we, can we talk about one other thing too. The. There is no room for error. Shadow Lou or Shadow Law? Shadow Lou. So, yeah, we've we got this in the original film, Shadow Lou, right? That's what they say.
1: Yeah, and it's spelled Shadow Lou.
0: Yeah, Shadow Lou. And then, and then it's in this one, it's Shadow Lao, which I think is like L A U, is kind of like how it's supposed to be pronounced. And then I, I did watch another movie as well that's like Shadow Law. Like they were clearly saying Law. So I have no idea how that's pronounced. To be honest, I've always said Shadow Lou.
1: I'm going with Shadow Lou because that's the that's to me is the funnest one.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think that's that's the way to go on on words that you you're really not certain how it was supposed to be pronounced. It's not that important at the end of the day.
1: So why do you think that they chose not to? I mean, Chun Li's attire is nothing at all close to what she wore in the video games, even the video games that I know I haven't played. Yeah. She doesn't look like it. So why? Why would? Why would they choose to make a movie that's not street fightery? Just call it Rise of Patricia.
0: Yeah, and this is not or like
1: Legend of Tr- Patricia.
0: The, yeah, I'd watch the Legend of Patricia. <laughs> the Legend of Pat. Um, now I want that movie. I can't think about it's Pat combined with a kung fu film. No, I don't want that. I remember the it's Pat movie. Yeah, that's the greatest hilarious. cinematic experience of Ween's career. All right, so back to Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li. This is probably one of the things that baffles me the most is like how this really got off the ground, or yeah. or like how they really thought that they could do like a low grade Street Fighter experience and try to make some money out of it. Because this is something where you're gonna need a budget, and you're gonna you're gonna need to focus it on the right things. You're gonna need to focus it on like fight choreography and a director who has some experience with that. And that that's not really what they went with in this movie you know, because the fight choreography is really terrible. They don't necessarily care about the lore of Street Fighter. I am not familiar with the lore, you know, really after like Street Fighter 3, you know, because that's the last time I played religiously. I played 3 and Street Fighter Alpha. Um, the, I played the entire Alpha series. Um, but really after that, you know, obviously I was in for Marvel vs. Capcom and some of those crossovers. But uh, now that Street Fighter is 3D, I've, I probably haven't played a new Street Fighter game in probably a decade. Uh, maybe a little bit less than that. So, I mean, if they did things that are newer in the in the series, that's fine. But, you know, either way, the story is completely unengaging.
1: Not to mention there's uh, lazy research. There's a, this really lazy research scene on the computer.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember. It's good to point little things like this out. Yeah, That's really lazy filmmaking.
1: Oh, it's so bad.
0: So, yeah, she's, I, I forget what she's looking for. But she literally just like types it in to like their version of Google and like where she needs to go for the next scene just pops up on the screen, right? Yeah, of course. And she just smiles into the camera. Like literally just like a smile, almost winks into the camera. There's no
1: like scrolling, no nothing. nothing. It just pops up.
0: Yeah, it's the laziest internet works. The laziest research. Yeah.
1: Even then. I felt like
0: a test audience said, We don't understand how she got from point A to point B. And they shot this scene with like. $5,000 $5,000 one day. Yeah. Like, let's get an internet cafe. Let's get crook for half a day and get the hell out of there. Cause that, that's how it feels. And then <laughs> it's, it's kind of how it looks.
1: There's not much you can say about this movie. Well, you know, I mean,
0: I think if you're a fan of Chun Lee, this is upsetting.
1: It is. It's if you're, if you're a fan, yeah,
0: if you're a fan of the series, it's upsetting. You don't want to see. A if you're a series, fan of
1: movies, you're upsetting. Yeah,
0: you, you don't want to see a franchise you like done this poorly. I mean, it's not quite Dragon Ball Evolution, but I mean, it's close. I mean, it's real close. You know, I mean, th- this movie has all sorts of strange things in it. I want to talk about the finale a little bit, since we not we're going to recap the plot of the movie. It's fucking pointless. But in the finale, you know, she fights Bison. She builds up this fireball, which looks terrible. Right, she does this kind of like half slow motion arm waving effect that you know there's kind of like trails on the arms. It, it doesn't look convincing. She throws the fireball and she incapacitates M Bison, and then she jumps from the roof of the building and clamps her feet on his head and snaps his neck, fatality style, and just fucking kills him like she just walked into Mortal Kombat for no reason. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is that? But there's another time like doesn't doesn't she shoot something? No, she stabs somebody, right? Yeah, she stabs somebody. Yeah, she stabs somebody and kills him. I was like, God damn, Chun-Li got a body count. It's not what I expected, and it's not what I think of when I think of the Chun-Li character, to be perfectly frank. Now, um, she might have been redone or rebooted to where she kills on a whim, but that's not the way I think of Street Fighter.
1: In this movie, uh, Vega is Native American, as opposed to Spanish is in the video games. He normally wears a mask to protect his beauty, but in the movie, he hides his face. There's all kinds of... Uh, Examples of this? Yeah,
0: he's played by movie. Taboo, a uh, member of the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, it's pretty forgettable. There's not great wire work in the sequence. Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: I thought the guy in Street Fighter did a better job at playing Vega.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly you what the character is supposed pretty. to look. Yeah, supposed to look like, and he got the idea down to protect his face yeah. and things like that. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. I, I I don't know why Vega's inclusion was here. I guess because he has a claw, and because you can put a mask on his face, you can put a stunt man on him you know, in that part real easy.
1: In Bison's Daughter was based on Rose from Alpha series. Yeah, yeah, she's Rose. She well, seems, she's not the
0: same character's name, that.
1: She speaks Russian in the movie, but is Italian, and not in Bison's Daughter.
0: No, no, she isn't. They just took a random character name and said, throw her in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's from the new games. Like, I, I know awful lot. I, I don't play Rose, but she does. I remember when I heard that name, I was like, well, that's not really who that character is, but that's not really what the movie's concerned about.
1: There's only eight Street Fighter characters as opposed to the last movie, where there was like 1,100
0: there's 1,100. yeah. Where well, they had to squeeze in everybody from the Super Street Fighter 2 roster except for Fei Long, and I guess Akuma is in there, but he's a secret character. I now that I think about it, I would have loved to have seen their take on what Akuma would have been in Street Fighter 94. <laughs>
1: Those who didn't make appearances in the movie: Abel Akuma, Blanca uh, or Blanca, Cammy White, Dan Hibiki, Dalsam, E Honda, El Fuerte, Fei Long, Guken. Ken, Masters, uh, Rufus, Sagitt, Sakura, Cassie, Gahu, Seth, Zangief, and Ryu.
0: Wow.
1: That's a lot of characters that were left. You didn't have to name them all. I didn't?
0: You didn't, but I appreciate you naming them all. Yeah, no. Yeah, I I, I, I,
1: I, do. I thought we'd be all encompassing
0: yeah very you're very thorough about it yeah i mean it's like oh she's going down the list mm, i'm impressed and you just kept on going <laughs> yeah well, you know, i'm gonna cut all that out
1: uh, wow
0: <laughs> no um this is a good idea is to not put in every character from the game just sort of tell a story about a few of the characters but once again it's just not a very good
1: and story, even if you yeah. wanted to tell the story about chun li that's great. Tell the story about Chun-Li. She's a great character. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can could, you could really do that. you do
1: a better job and make it more like the games. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's what you want to do. You want to, A, have like a fighting tournament of some kind or an excuse for characters to fight yeah. one-on-one multiple times. You know, I, I don't want to see Chun-Li fighting henchmen. You know, I mean, it's, it's okay if you do it once, but like the club scene is so cringy. She has this whole sequence where she tries to seduce one of, like, Bison's bodyguards, right? Or one of Bison's managers or something. I don't know. And, like, so she's dancing sexily on the dance floor. It reminded me of, like, uh, True Lies, when he's, like, dance sexy, and she's, like, twirling her arms and stuff, like, doing the least sexy dance she really could. But Kristen Crook's really trying to, like, bring that sex appeal. And I remember this from Smallville. There's a few times they tried to, like, make her sexy, and she could never really be sexy. She was just pretty. That She just couldn't do it. I don't know what it was. It never worked. And that scene is so bad in this movie. Like, it's almost cringy kind of bad. It makes you uncomfortable how awful that whole sequence is with her trying to seduce that woman. And then there is more poor wire work. We get her uh, spin kick. We do get a version of that, and it looks terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. They shouldn't have bothered. I, I don't know if it's called the spin. I'm sure it has another name, but you know what I'm talking about. Her signature move. Yeah, and it's just it looks really bad. You know, it really does. There's a close up on the Kristen Crook stunt woman's ass in the scene, and it, you know, I, I don't. You know, like there's the way they shoot it. It's just terrible. Yeah, everything about it is just. I mean, it's just off putting. It really is. You know, like any time the movie you think could maybe make a layup to do something nice and and get a little something going, it just never happens. Might be a movie with no good scenes.
1: So what you're saying is you wouldn't recommend it.
0: Well, I mean, if you're the president of the Chris Klein fan club, maybe. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing we haven't even mentioned him in, in the movie, full of bad acting work, except for maybe like Robin Shu and Michael Clark Duncan's fine. You you have Chris Klein who is playing Charlie. He's not character from the games. He is Giles' friend, and a fun fact in the first movie, his character is combined with Blanca. And he's turned into basically Blanca at the end of the movie. But uh Charlie would become a major character in the Street Fighter Alpha game, so he's represented here. And Chris Klein is awful, like legendarily really bad. awful. I, I was I was trying to find some clips and I, I do have some and I was gonna play it, but it doesn't do it justice. because you have to see like his dead eyes as he acts to really to really understand how awful Klein is really as an actor. Because you can hear his bad deliveries and, and I mean they're all bad. I mean, they really feel like, <laughs> he I doesn't mean, like a
1: moat with his face.
0: Yeah. I mean, like his dead face doesn't match what he's saying. And I mean, it really does sound like everything's like a joke performance. Like someone's doing a parody of David Caruso from CSI Miami. Like that's how he sounds. Like he's doing that character for like a bad SNL scat. Skitch. S- Sketch. skit. Skitch.
1: Sketch.
0: Skit is what I was trying to say, <laughs> but he's trying to do like a bad SNL skit. But it's really how he's playing the character. And it, you know, I mean, that part you can get a real chuckle out of. Then Moon Bloodgood is, like, so horny for him, right? Like, Ugh. she is just, like, enraptured by everything that he does. And she, like, changes shirts in front of him to try to, like, lure him in. But he's so focused on Bison. He doesn't have time for that. and Because he doesn't even, like, look at her as, like, a sexual object in any way, shape, or form. He's only concerned about stopping Bison.
1: And they do make out.
0: They do, they do, but he and it's the weirdest thing. Like, Balrog comes out of Bison's club, barely glances their direction, and he goes quick, and he just covers her face and makes out with her. And I'm like, he's not looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, I I guess we could talk about it being a creep, but then he never really does anything about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's not, I mean, there's a, like subtext well not even subtext. There is her yearning form in that one scene, but it's not like a love story at all. It's no real story to it.
1: It feels it's just like a that. separate movie.
0: Yeah, it really does. It really does. Like, oh, we gotta put in an extra character. So they they throw in Chris Klein and, and it it's awful. It does come together for the finale where he gives he does, I think, shoot at bison or vega or he shoots at somebody and like he gives Chun Lee like a wink and a nod, which is just perfect.
1: All right. Are you ready for reviews?
0: I am ready for reviews. Lay them on me.
1: Yeah, because there's nothing else we should say about this movie. No, I don't Sucks.
0: think so. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an awful film. A non-recommend from both of us.
1: Street Fighter 94 got a 3.9 user review, 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 4 out of 10 on IMDb. <clears throat> Street Fighter Rise of Chun-Li got a 2.4 user review, a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. And a 3.8.7 out of 10 on IMDb.
0: Pretty low. Yeah. So That's fair, though. That's where it should be at.
1: And I did something a little different this week.
0: Oh, okay. I'm intrigued. What do we got?
1: Instead of doing one-star reviews, I chose 10-star reviews. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's the first one. This is for Street Fighter. A cinematic achievement to rival greats such as Citizen Kane and Godfather 2, with Jean-Claude Van Damme as a tough, undetermined soldier who will stop at nothing to save hostages with emotional performance from everyone who is giving it their all for this thought-provoking and cunning script. Highly recommend you watch it with all your funniest friends, and you will have a blast.
0: The man enjoys him some camp cinema.
1: Uh, what what I love about this review is he likened it to Citizen Kane and The Godfather to two of some of the best cinematic experiences you could possibly have.
0: Well, he's clearly a better film critic than I am. <laughs> I, I now default to this man. I will follow him on all social media because I await his next oh, his next review with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm glad he loved it. Let, listen, this is a movie that I feel could have some fans. I'm very curious about a good review for the next one, though. I really am. Yeah.
1: Are you ready for it? Lay it on me. This review is called A Crime Lord to Rival the Godfather. Oh, God. This movie absolutely blew me away. First off, I would like to point out of that Michael Clark Duncan's performance in this rivals the performance he put in The Green Mile. He totally blew me away. Secondly, Neil McDonough, also known as Bison, is the most terrifying and intimidating bad guy to ever be portrayed on the screen. The barehanded C section he performs is something that not even Chuck Norris could do. Thirdly, Moon Bloodgood is the best name ever. And That's finally you <laughs> spot on there. And finally, Chris Klein is the one that brings the movie together. His performance is quite simply astounding in every conceivable way. He just might be the next Tom Hanks. His performance is so powerful that I would not be all surprised if he is in talks for the Oscar next year. He is really easily the reason this movie is top 250 material.
0: So this is the kind of guy who like buys the day old sushi. <laughs> he, he eats the ends of the bread loaf. Like this is that guy. He's like the worst. It's fantastic. <laughs> like He's always buying the store brand, Like he doesn't know. Like he just is like, this, this is the good stuff right here. And so his taste has been so skewered that he absolutely loves one of the worst films that we've ever seen.
1: Can you imagine the movies in his film collection?
0: Yeah, yeah. He just, he has like that Battlefield Earth. He's like, dude, this is the best movie. Like he just like all, all like the worst movies. Yeah. Gods and Generals. Like he just has this awful collection. He has a poster of Ishtar in his bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if you're a Street Fighter fan, it was a little bit rough, but uh, you didn't get a chance to watch this one. Before we close out, I I want to talk about one other movie. So we got an animated film um, in 1995. now the ultimate. And well, that came out, I think, in Japan. I don't think we got in the states till a bit later. And I saw the U.S. version, which has some late 90s music dubbed in there, some corn and stuff in there. And this movie is a Street Fighter movie all the way through. It's animated, so everybody looks like how they should. They squeeze in the characters of the proper moments and times. And it features a ton of one-on-one fighting scenes, which is what I absolutely love. And Probably the the best moment in like the entire Street Fighter cinematic universe would be a fight between Chun-Li and... And Vega, he comes into her apartment, right? She took a shower and attempts to murder her. And she kicks the ever living shit out of him. And she does kill him, but it's after an incredibly brutal fight where it is agreed it is to the death. And that, like, I'm okay with that. Like Vega came there to raise the stakes and she ends up kicking him literally out of a window and killing him. And I mean, it messes her up. She's out for the rest of the movie. And I just, I wanted to mention this movie because this is where, if you want to get a Street Fighter cinematic fix, this is where you want to go. If you can, check out the Japanese version. It's uncensored. It has blood in it. The U.S. version is fine. It's available on YouTube in a bunch of places. As a matter of fact, I think one of the YouTube versions is the Japanese version with the American track underneath it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's lots of ways that you can watch. It's also available on Amazon Prime. But, I mean, it's just an incredibly well-done anime movie that pays respects to the characters properly and gives us a lot more what we want. Those relationships that if you played the game, you know about. Like Ryu and Ken beating Bison together at the end of the movie. is a really nice experience because they bring a rivalry together as brothers. And like the movie has a core message. Something none of these other movies have or care about. So it was nice to see one that actually did take the property seriously. And I'd hope that if they do reboot it again, we'll get something even close to that kind of quality.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's really something that should be checked out. Uh, that's the real recommend from this episode, Street Fighter Two, the animated movie. And uh, if you check it out, and if you like it, um, you want to thank me, you can uh, reach out to us at uh, grittyrebootcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's our email address, and we try to answer everything that we get there. And you can also look us up on uh, Gritty Reboot at Instagram and a TikTok as well. Yep. And uh, you can find me, I'm uh, Disillusionist13 at uh, Twitter, and I'm there every now and then, but not much. And uh, your socials, Meredith?
1: I don't have any socials. That's right, so she doesn't have any
0: goddamn social. So I'm you, on Facebook. Yeah, if you want to get a hold of her, you just write gritty reboot on a carrier pigeon, and he <laughs> will eventually find his way to her and he will answer She and, and he will drop it off and Meredith will answer your question. I
1: tell you what, if I, if you start getting comments that I need a social media, I will get a social media. Yeah. And we're about until then. Yeah. Fuck social media.
0: <laughs> we're about to launch a Discord. You can't say things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We, we appreciate you listening. You guys have a good one. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something inside out for press the top. And I just look up. And you're just like, fuck it. I'm not saying bye to these assholes. <laughs>